Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Good to be back. Uh, we had a week off last week, so we were in, well, not off, but we were in Ilkeston last week, so we really missed being around. Um, and so every, every week, just even for one week, um, we really miss being here um, with all of you guys in Mansfield. So just a, a, if I can just highlight um, really quickly, Paul touched on it, but um, I'd love to see a great number of people um, on Tuesday, at first Tuesday, if you can make it. I know it's a little bit far, about 20 to 30 minutes drive, depending on how fast you drive. Um, but uh, down in Ilkeston at 7.15 on Tuesday, it'll be great to see a good number of, of, of Mansfield people there. And um, it is, there is, I believe we've got a speaker, if nothing's changed, the guy from Scotland as well. So um, I'll be standing up next to him and just doing some interpretation if, <laughs> if, if needed. No, uh, I'm just kidding. As, as you know, we spent many years in Scotland and so we love, we love Scotland. But he's actually from, I think, the north of Scotland, Stuart Watt. Um, doing a great work. He's doing some church planting up there. Um, and, uh, and so if you need interpretation, we can arrange it. So just really um, a, another big, you know, just a thank you. Um, I like to, you know, highlight every now and again a few people that are just doing great things. And, and we just appreciate that yesterday we had three guys here um, on, on Saturday sorting the stage out because um, I tend to pace around a bit, as you know, and, and sometimes it's a little bit of a trip hazard. So what they've done is they've lifted this, and it's very stable here. So thanks to Patrick and Kev, um, and we also had Andy here. So the three of them really putting their Saturday in to just uh, sort things out practically. So God bless you guys. You know what? It's treasures in heaven. Um, we don't just you know, say that. We believe it. Um, that you may not be getting a wage for that. They're not paid for that, but you guys are, are storing treasures in heaven. Uh, so thank you. As you know, um, we are doing a series, and we're into the last week of a series uh, called Make It Matter. Make It Matter. And our, our headline scripture that we've been looking at, um, which really just encompasses the whole series, is James 4, uh, 13 through 14. And it's in the New Living Translation. I'll read it. It says this, look here, you who say, today or tomorrow we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. Uh, We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is, is like a morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone tomorrow. And it's so true, isn't it? The, the, really, the scripture says it all. Don't need to add a whole lot to it. We just don't know what is around the corner. Um, for those of you that are on our mailing list, our email list, um, just lot, not this week, but the week before, um, I, I sent out as, as our, part of our weekly news. And if, if you don't get that, I'd encourage you just to add, as Paul said, fill out a connection card so that you can be a part of our weekly news email. Um, and I just sent out a little, um, a little uh, word, as it were, from a guy, Stephen King, who you know, um, and he, a famous author, um, one of probably the most famous authors of our, of our generation. Um, and it was really interesting because I came across this um, little excerpt from a speech that he gave um, shortly after he was involved in a really um, almost a, a de- near-death experience. And he was walking along the side of a road and, and um, just coming to the crest of a hill. And and a car came over. He, the guy was out of control driving the car onto the verge of the road. And, and basically, he didn't have 
any notice. He just, the car came over the hill. He kind of tried to dodge, but the car caught him. He landed in the ditch and uh, pretty much very close to death. And he, he says as he was lying in that ditch, um, he suddenly started reflecting on his life. And he suddenly realized, you know what? All of my success, all of my wealth means nothing. I'm not taking it with me. Um, the, the, in fact, he said, you know, all of these guys, no matter if it's Bill Gates, wh- whoever, he's not taking anything with them. Um, and so even this man who's not a Jesus follower um, really was encouraging us to say, live your life as just a gift to, to other people. Live your life generously. Live your life a- a- as if you may not have it tomorrow, but do the best you can with what you've got now. Um, and so it really encouraged me, but that really summed up really the gist of, of, the, of the series that we're doing. It's this focus that um, instead of making our plans, because plans are good things, we should make plans, but instead of making selfish plans focused on ourselves uh, and what we plan to do and the money we plan to make, we should make plans that include God. Amen? Our plans should include God because He knows what our future holds. Um, he knows uh, what is still to come for us. And so when we include Him in our plans, there's a real power to it because suddenly we're, we're including somebody much wiser than us, somebody who created us, somebody who gifted us, uh, and he will, uh, he, he will bring such impact uh, through us. And so we want to make it matter because we just don't know what's in the future. We don't know how many years we have, but we do want to make those that we do have matter. And the, the thing is, for us, if we follow Jesus, if we're Jesus followers, that doesn't have to be depressing. The thought that I could, this today could be my last day doesn't have to be depressing because I'm living with inter- eternity in mind. I'm living at knowing that, you know what, this life will end, but I have an eternity with Jesus Christ in heaven. And that's something to, to, to be celebrated. So um, I've preached you know, we've had four weeks and, and I've preached the three of them and we had Julie, who was great last week, I believe. Um, and the three weeks or the two weeks I've done so far, I've told a joke on every week, okay? So I, I'll be honest with you guys, I felt like I needed to just share one more joke um, before we start and then we'll look um, a, a little bit more. So um, really, it's, it's a little bit linked into it, but I just feel like I'll share one more joke for you guys, okay? Okay. Um, and then no more jokes after that, I promise. No more jokes. So, um, there was a guy, right? Um, this man was, you know, it was summertime, beautiful skies. He was lying on his back in a field, just looking at the clouds and, you know, thinking about God. And, 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 and so he actually, he said, I'm going to try talking to God. Um, and so he said, um, God, in your frame of reference, because it's so different to mine, how long is a million years? And so God actually answered and said, a million years for me is like a minute. Wow. Um, and so then he said, well, God, thinking about money then, how much is a million pounds to you? It's like a million pounds is like a penny to me. And so then he said, God, could I have a penny? And God said to him, in a minute. Anyway, there you go. There you go. That's the last time I'm telling jokes, I promise you. Um, uh, We're going to get into something more important now. 
making it matter. So we've spoken about a few different things. We've spoken about tithing, if you were here that week, and I, I spoke about that. We've spoken about making a difference or making it matter with our story. Um, we've spoken about making it matter with our life. Um, and this week, we're going to um, speak a little bit into making it matter with generosity, in our generosity. And there is an aspect of that, really, that we're talking about finance again um, and being generous, but it does go a lot further. It goes a lot above just finance. Um, it seems like I get this topic a lot, um, and as I've touched on, I, I enjoy it when I, when I get a chance to, to speak into it. But can I just say, it's not because I'm generous. Okay, we'll just get out of that, that out of the way. Alini's not here to back me up, but um, I remember when we started dating. So 15 years ago, when we first started seeing each other, um, I said to Alini, we had a, a great and really open relationship and always talking about what's on our hearts. And that's something we still do. And we cherish that. But I remember just maybe in the first month or so after we'd seen, started seeing each other, I said to Alini this, and it seemed like a good idea at the time, but guys, if you just started dating, please don't take my, my approach to it. I said to Eleni, just so you know, I want to be open and honest. I said, I'm not going to be buying you a lot of gifts and buying you a lot of flowers, I said. And this is my logic, and it was good logic. I said, because I don't really want to start doing something when we're just starting today, and then I'm going to tail off, and I'm not going to be able to keep it up. So I just want to be consistent. <laughs> so I'm going to start low, and I'm going to stay low. And, wow, um, I wasn't exactly smooth at the, you know, I'm not, still not, but Alini stuck with me, thank God. But, um, genero- you know, I'm not the best person to speak about generosity. I am getting better, but I'm sure there's many of you out there uh, that are far more generous than me. But thank God that I have the, the Bible to look at, so it's not Stephen's thoughts. Um, but, in fact, I don't think, just in case you're judging me, I don't think I'm the only one. Uh, that has some issues with generosity. In fact, men, I read something just last month, in fact, uh, in the news that apparently women are more generous or incentivized more by generous behavior than men. And so there's actually a study at the University of of Zurich, which um, really the research revealed that women are prone to be kinder and more generous than men. And apparently, this is the reason, that when a woman exhibits a form of kindness, it triggers a reward signal, a greater reward signal than it does in men. So apparently the brain's reward system, known as the stratium, it administers dopamine, so it releases this dopamine. And it's really in women, when they're generous, it, it, dopamine is triggered, whereas apparently in men, they're more incentivized by more selfish behavior for some reason. And so it's scientifically proven so I've got an excuse, right? That it's, women are more generous. I can't, it's in the chemicals, you know, in my body. I can't do anything about it. And I'm sure that there's a lot of women um, that are thinking it didn't need a scientific uh, testing or ex- experiments to do that. I could have told you that all, all along. Um, but I do have a different view, guys, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand up for you in that I think, this is, this is my view, is that this was probably a group of disillusioned wives whose husbands hadn't been generous, and they were just trying to prove a point with their research. So I, I don't believe it anyway. Um, I think Alini was a part of that uh, group of... Uh, 
No, but just for clarity, and, and I know that um, this is twice in the space of a short period that we, we are talking about finance and, and we're talking about generosity. When we spoke about tithing, um, really we're talking about um, giving to the church. We're talking about giving out of our increase, out of everything that we have, and, and that's good and that's well. But I honestly believe the topic when we talk about generosity, um, generosity is so much more than just that. So much more about than, than even just finance. It's so much more than just giving to church. It's, it's living a generous life over and beyond just church. You see, it's about being generous in your workplace. It's about being generous on the streets of the town. It's about being generous in your neighborhood. Just living a generous life. And I'll say it again. I always say it when I talk about money, but finance, but God doesn't need your money. He doesn't. He's got enough. Um, but we are blessed in that he loves to work through us in our hearts. And so what he does uh, is he uses us. He creates a generosity in our hearts that benefits ourselves. And he uses us to provide through our generosity. And so what I want to do is just talk about generosity a bit. And, and one of the definitions, there's a few different definitions out there, but um, uh, the de- definition that I came across was this, that generosity or to be generous is to show a readiness to give more of something than is strictly necessary or expected. And so I like to say it that it's about more than just meeting a need. Generosity is about more than just meeting a need. It's about going the extra mile, which is, is really that whole phrase is really from a biblical principle, isn't it? Going the extra mile. When somebody asks you to do something, it's going the extra mile. And that's generosity. And this morning, very simply, all I want to do is take about uh, a few minutes just to, to, to share uh, three, sorry, five different thoughts um, on generosity. Um, and so those are going to come up on the screen and just dig into each one of those a little bit and then draw it to a conclusion at the end. And the first thing that I want to say uh, is this, that generous people give no matter how much or little they have. No matter how much or little they have. And that, that uh, passage of Scripture, Luke 21, uh, verses 1 through 4, is a, is a story about, uh, we may know it as the widow's might or the widow's offering. Um, where this, this widow who had very little um, came to the temple and Jesus was, was, was standing there and he was watching the people giving the offerings and, and people were giving great sums to, 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 to the temple and to God and out of their wealth they were giving great sums of money. But this lady came uh, and she gave these two little coins which was everything she had and she put it in the offering and, and Jesus commended her. He said, do you know, she's given so much more than anyone else. She's given out of everything that she had. He commended her generosity. You see, I wanted to say this first because it's easy for us to switch off when we start talking about this. It's easy for us to switch off and say, I don't have much. I don't have much finance. I don't have much to be generous with. But let me tell you, no matter how much you have, you can be generous. No matter how little you have, you can be generous. We may think, when I have more money, I'll be generous. But let me tell you, it doesn't get easier the more money you have. It's about being generous with the little you have. And the widow um, is is a great, great example. So if 
if you have a lot, if you have little, you may be a student struggling, you may be out of work, you may be a pensioner, whatever, you can still be generous with what you have been given. And so if it's in your uh, heart to give, you shouldn't be embarrassed because of the quantity. Just like that widow, you should give of what you've got. You see, there's a wonderful story in the Bible as well, um, because God can take little and he can use it for great things. Do we believe that? Yeah? That God can take a little and use it for great things. In fact, there's so many stories in the Bible, but one of my favorite is the feeding of the 5,000, where this little boy uh, brings his, his, his loaves and fish to Jesus. And if, you, if we just pause to think about the naivety of this boy, uh, when there's 5,000 people there and, and Jesus says, let's gather the food that we have. Let's gather it to see what we can spread out amongst the people. And can I say, I'm, I'm pretty much sure of those 5,000 people, there wasn't just one little boy that had brought food. There's probably a lot of other people that brought food, but they didn't bring it to Jesus because they thought this can't make a difference. My little lunch can't make a difference. But I love the faith of this little boy as he, in his naivety, comes and says, I'm going to bring my five loaves and two fish to you, Jesus. It, it's not much, but I believe you can do something with this. I believe, and, and obviously we know the story about how Jesus took those five loaves and two fish, multiplied them, and all of the 5,000 people were fed through this little act of faith by this little boy that brought his little, all that he had. Can I encourage you to give no matter and to be generous no matter how much or how little you have? Because God can use your little for great purposes. God can use your five loaves and two fish for great purposes. I still believe in a God who multiplies. Do we? Yeah? Yeah? Because, you know, I believe in a God that works over and above just simple maths. I believe that He's a God that, that, that works in miraculous ways like He worked in the Bible times. He's still the same God. So generous people give no matter how much or little they have. But the other thing is that generous people give more than they're asked to give. There's a section in in Exodus, in the Bible, in Exodus chapter 36, verse 1 through 7. And it's um, a section where um, the uh, Israelites had had come out of uh, slavery in Egypt and um, they were really constructing the tabernacle where they were going to worship God. And, and so the people were encouraged to come and bring, bring, bring gifts and offerings um, and bring their, their giftings and their skills too to be able to, to, to make this tabernacle where they could worship God. And, and it says um, in the verses in, before Ex- Exodus chapter 36 that people's hearts were stirred, that uh, they were moved to bring their sacrificial offerings to God Um, to the point that in this section that's up on the screen, um, it says that they had to actually ask the people to stop giving because they bought so much that they had to say, whoa, 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 we've actually got too much. We can't use it all. We've got too much. And so the people gave more than they were expected to give. And I love that because um, they just came out of slavery in Egypt. So they were, I suppose they could have been excused for having a bit of a slavery mindset. Uh, I'm holding on to what I've got mindset uh, because it's so easy to do that. Uh, I was reading about in America 
during the time of slavery and there was the abolition of slavery and how so many of the slaves were, you know, they were all released and they could go their own way and how many of them did do that and, and do their own thing. But so many of them actually came back after a few months or years back to their masters that they'd been slaves of and said, can you give me a job? I don't know anything different. I, I want to come back and work for you. And, and so I suppose it's so easy uh, to have that slavery mindset and not grow out of that. Um, uh, but these, the Israelites were a great example of how they were generous. They did more than required. They realized that there was a joy in giving. There was a joy in being used uh, by God and actually making it matter. Uh, as I said before, generosity is about more than meeting a need. Uh, C.S. Lewis said this, um, I don't believe one can settle how much we ought to get settle on how much we ought to give. I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. C.S. Lewis uh, quote, and, and it's true. You know, we, we need to stretch ourselves. We need to give more than is expected of us. And the point three that I want to make is this, that generous people give more than just their money. Generous people give more than just their money. It's not just about money. Yes, we're talking about finance and generosity in that sense. But I believe it comes as a package deal. When we're generous with our money, we're generous with our time. We're generous with our attention. We're, you know, giving people the attention they deserve. Giving our kids, our family, our wives, our husbands, our friends, the attention that they deserve. Giving, being generous of our service. And, you know, you guys are great at that. And I just say, this church is amazing at being generous and serving. Generous with our words of of encouragement as well. You see, I love the parable of the Good Samaritan. For those of you that know, it's in Luke 10, um, which is up on the screen. And it's a story about this man who, if you don't know, who was, who was, who was robbed. He was going on a journey and uh, he was going along the, the road and he was robbed and beaten up and, and you know, everything was taken. He was left um, in a pile on the ground. Um, and a few people, two people came by, the priest, uh, came by and the temple worker came by and they just they didn't help him but eventually this Samaritan who was who was if anything was his enemy came by and and bandaged his wounds and took care of him and uh, and and looked after him took him to an inn uh, paid for the innkeeper to to look after him for a period of time and then said if you need anything else I'll come back again he was generous with his resources, but generous with his attention, generous with his time, loving, caring. I believe generosity is something that comes more than, that is displayed more than just our money. It's displayed in so many uh, other ways. So that's the, the third point. And the, 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 the fourth point I want to make is this, that generous people give out of a transformed heart. Generous people give out of a transformed heart. You know, if you're at this point in the, in the message and you're saying, Stephen, this is all a bit overwhelming for me. I'm not generous. I don't get it. I, I can't do these things that I expected. How can I ever be generous? Uh, well, you're in, in good company, as we heard. I'm not the most generous person. But God makes you generous out of a transformed heart. There's a story in Luke 19 of, of a man named Zacchaeus. Um, who was a tax collector. And if you don't know, tax collectors were in the, that time 
some of the most despised people because they collected taxes, but they added their margin on top. So they really robbed the people and, and were very greedy, um, had this reputation of being greedy, lining their own pockets, not really caring about anyone. In fact, the opposite of generous. And Luke 19, verse 1 to 9, tells the story about this man, Zacchaeus, who encountered Jesus. So um, we can go into the detail of the story, but you can read it yourself. But basically, he encountered Jesus. He had a transformed heart. And out of that transformed heart, you know what he said? He said, I'm going to give back four times what I've robbed people. He said, I'm going to give half of my possessions to the poor. So this man who came from, from being a miser, came from being greedy of cheating people, just caring about money, how he was totally transformed. As he encountered Jesus, he was transformed. His heart was transformed and out of that, he became generous. I love that story because just in the chapter before, there's a story about another man. We may know it as a story about the rich young ruler. And, and there's this man who who did everything. He was the opposite of Zacchaeus. He did everything right. He was a good man. He respected his authority. He respected his, his mother and, and, and father. He, he, he gave, he, 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 he did all, he ticked all the boxes as far as the law was concerned. And he came to Jesus um, and he asked Jesus, what do I need to do? And Jesus, been wise as he was, said, give everything you have to the poor. So, you know, give, give it all away. And it says that the man went away sad because he couldn't do that. God doesn't ask all of us to give everything away. Can I just say that? But he knew that man's heart. He knew that his money was above God. God his money was more important. So he challenged him. And, and that man never had the same encounter like Zacchaeus did. So he went away sad. He, even despite him doing everything else, he couldn't be generous because his heart wasn't changed. But then there's this man, Zacchaeus, who is transformed by the power of God and can't help but just give, give and be generous. Amy Carmichael, and, and this is a quote that's attributed to a few other people as well, but she certainly said it. She said, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. And so when our hearts are transformed with love and, and, and everything that God has done for us, then out of that love, we can't help but give, be generous, and we can't help but, 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 but sow into people's lives. God can transform our hearts, and people who are generous, give out of a transformed heart. Are you with me? Are you with me? Generosity is something that's important to talk about. If I can just go off topic a bit, generosity is important to talk about. As I always say, we want to preach the whole uh, counsel of the Word of God. We don't want to preach just the parts that we like. We want to preach it all. And I'm so glad that we have the standard of the Word of God to do that. And so if, if finance, talking about it makes you awkward um, and, and it's uncomfortable for you, well, the Bible has plenty to say about it. The last thing I want to say is this, is, is number five, generous people are rewarded by God. Amen? Generous people are rewarded by God. That's not why we're generous. Can I say that? 
because some people think I'm going to be generous and then God's going to reward me, so I'm going to sow and I'm going to reap more back. Well, that in itself is not generous. That's self-serving, isn't it? That in itself is, is doing something because of the reward you're going to get back. But let me say this. God does reward. God does. Proverbs 11, 24 to 25 uh, says this, and I know there have been a lot of scriptures. I'd encourage you to take a note and read them uh, later on. But it says this, Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. It's a wonderful principle, isn't it? How sometimes when we hold on to things, we still struggle. But when we sow, when we give, when we're generous, God will bless us abundantly. Because He promises to do that. Matthew 10, 10, 42 says, And if you give even a cup of water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. What a great promise. Just even a cup of water. Just even the generosity to take your time. Because it probably doesn't cost anything, does a cup of water. But even the moment of just saying, I'm going to care, I'm going to be generous, I'm going to give, you will get a reward. You know, is it a financial reward? Well, yes, God does bless financially. Um, he does, when we sow, He does give us back. However, there's also a reward in heaven. And that probably is the greatest reward, isn't it? The the eternal reward of just sowing and investing in eternity, knowing that um, when we are generous, that people are being saved, people are becoming, coming to know Jesus through our generosity, that there's going to be an eternal result from our generosity. But there's also a contentment. There's a joy uh, in giving. There's a reward that we get from blessing others from being obedient to God. So we're not generous because of the reward. But let's not forget there is a reward for those who are generous. God promises that He will come through for us. And, you know, I I challenge you to to test God in this because God says we should test Him. He's big enough to handle the pressure. Can I say that? God is big enough to handle the pressure. That when we give, He will come through. When we're generous, He will come through. And He will bless us abundantly. The guys are going to come up just just now as I I finish off. So not not got too much more to do. But I did want to just conclude by saying this. That most of you know that I I work during the week and in the bank. and, And I say that a lot. And probably occupies a lot of my part of my life. So forgive me if I I do reference it a lot. But one of the things I do, because I I sell mortgages, um, and and so I provide mortgages for customers. And and to be honest with you, most people come in and say, well, I want a mortgage. They know what they want. Um, And so my duty is just to, you know, advise them, make sure that's the right fit for them. Um, But one of the things a lot of people don't come in thinking um, is about things like life and critical illness cover, how to protect your mortgage. They want the mortgage, they want the house, but they don't think about the rest. And, and um, my boss always says to me, um, she says, Stephen, it's your duty to disturb people. And the first time she said it, I was like, okay, I don't get it. It's your duty to disturb people. And it's your duty when they come in to say, have you thought about what would happen 
if you have a big 100,000 pound, 200,000 pound, however big your mortgage is, and, 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 and you've not got anything in place if you died, how's that going to be paid? How's your family going to stay in your home? And, and you've not got anything in place if you had a critical illness, things like that. So anyway, we're not going into that now, but it's my duty to disturb, to at least make people think about the significance of what if these things happen? Can I just draw a parallel really quickly here in my role as a pastor? It's my duty to disturb you. You see, it's not my duty to make you sit nicely through the service and and be comfortable. I hope you are comfortable. But it's my duty to disturb you. To say, have we thought of the things eternal? Have we thought that we may not have tomorrow? That we want to make our lives matter, what we've got here today. And and being generous is, is a huge part of that. But it's my duty to to just disturb you a little. Ultimately, it's your decision. Ultimately, it's your decision. Do you want to make your life matter? Or do you just want to go through the motions? But I'm unapologetic to disturb you and and make you a bit uncomfortable. Because in many ways, it's my duty. You see, here's the thing. If you don't know Jesus, let me tell you. You may feel comfortable. You may think your life is fine. Let me tell you, when your life is demanded of you and you don't know Jesus, it's not a pretty picture. The only way to heaven, the only way to eternal life is through Jesus Christ. You see, your sins are are filthy. My sins are filthy. If you think you can live to a certain standard to reach heaven, you're mistaken. You're mistaken. And I can't, I can't not tell you that. I can't not tell you that. But there is a way. There is one who who lived his life perfectly. There is one who lived a sinless life and then said, as Paul said, I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to give up my life for you. And so when you cry out and you say, Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior because I'm imperfect. I I receive the forgiveness of my sins because you've paid the price then we can come to a point where we know our security in eternity is with Him. It's my duty to tell you that today. There is no other way to eternal life but through Jesus Christ. There's other religions, but let me tell you, they're just dead ends. We love people who are in other religions. We tolerate, we don't you know, despise them in any way. But let me tell you, I can't deny this is the only way. It's only through Jesus Christ. Make your life matter. Don't let it just be a waste. But I want to challenge you as well on another level. If you know Jesus, make your life matter. You're unique. You've got a calling. You've got a purpose. I've been talking about generosity. That's a part of it. Some people are called to, 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 to generosity with their finance, and that's great. But can we make it wider than that as we draw a conclusion to, to this series? Let's not just think about finance, but let's think about every aspect of our lives. I don't want to, as your pastor, um, I don't want to not tell you that you need to make your life matter for eternity. You called for a specific reason, a specific purpose. I want you to find that. I want you to find why God has created you and called you because each one of you is unique. 
so that when the end of life comes, and it will come for all of us, you can say, I've given it my best. I've made my life matter. We're not perfect, but we can, we can try our best. And we can do our best. So can we stand to our feet?